Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. We are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. Also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're in for a great one today. As we're going through the late window of games for Week 13, we talked about the early window yesterday's show. You can always check that out on WWSRN or on your favorite streaming app, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you like to go. The MD's Fantasy Football Show, widely available to you. And make sure you're following us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShows. We're keeping you up to date with all the player news, update notifications coming out. And, of course, being that it's Thursday and Friday, we have a lot we have to talk about in today's show. And we're keeping you up to date on the rankings as well. You check out BellyUpFantasySports.com. So we're going to go over some of the injury updates from the games that we talked about in yesterday's show uh, to kick this one off to make sure you guys are all up to date for everything going on. And it looks like DeAndre Swift is dealing with some extra issues other than the concussion uh, protocol. They're saying that he is out of concussion protocol last uh, we checked. But he had to go home yesterday due to an illness, and that was why he did not practice yesterday. From what I understand, if even if he winds up being active on Sunday, we don't know how active he's going to be. There's talk that he's going to be limited in reps. He might not have his full workload. So something to kind of keep in mind, even if DeAndre Swift is active, we're going to have to adjust the rankings accordingly as well. 
he may not be a viable play for you guys this particular week. So just kind of keep that in mind as you're going through your roster construction that even if DeAndre Swift is able to play, given it's a match against the Chicago Bears, given that he might have a limited role, I don't know if he's really going to be a good play for you guys this week. You might have to look elsewhere. We also have Josh Jacobs. He did not practice for the second day in a row yesterday. I know the Raiders keep holding out this hope that he will be able to go, that they want to play him, that you know they'll have their number one running back. And I know a lot of fantasy owners want to have their number one running back against the New York Jets. In my opinion, if he's dealing with a sprain on a team that is playoff bound, or at least looking to be playoff bound, going up against the New York Jets, which you don't really need Josh Jacobs for to be first place, I find it hard to believe that he's truly going to wind up suiting up for this game. It would make more sense that they'll give him the rest. I think there's a good chance we're going to wind up seeing Devontae Booker this week, actually, playing in his stead. And the good news about that is if you picked up Devontae Booker as a Josh Jacobs owner, you're setting up pretty pretty sweet because he's going to be the only guy. Jalen Richard's not going to be active in this game either. And if Josh Jacobs is out... Devontae Booker is looking at a full bell cow of work. So I truly believe that you're going to be just fine with Devontae Booker this week against the New York Jets, but it's looking more and more like that's going to be the case. Of course, we'll wait to see exactly what he's able to do Friday afternoon. Moving on, we have the Todd Gurley and Julio Jones news. Todd Gurley did not practice yesterday after being limited on Wednesday. We'll see if he's able to go at all. Uh, going into uh, today's practice, going into uh, Sunday. So we're going to keep our eyes on that. If you don't have him, Brian Hill will most likely get most of the work. But it's a tough matchup against the Saints. And after last week, seeing Edo Smith get as much work as he did with Brian Hill and everything like that, I don't know how much you're going to want to play a Falcons running back. I don't even know how much you really want to play Todd Gurley for that for that instance there because he would still have to be a guy that you would hope falls into the end zone there's not going to be a lot of rushing yards had in this game and frankly I don't know how much the Atlanta offense is going to be able to move the ball if they do not have Julio Jones and that leads us in the second part where Julio is expected to be limited in practice but it's clear he's still very much hindered by this hamstring injury I would lean towards more the idea that he's not going to be able to go that we're probably going to be another week without Julio Jones uh, this probable week. Uh, we got Miles Gaskin here. He is getting close to return. From what we understand, he has been practicing. Now, he has not been on the 53-man roster, which is a big reason why we haven't seen too many reports on Miles My- Gaskin, exactly what his progress has been. From, from what I understand, he is practicing. He is progressing. We are supposed to hear something about him being activated to the 53-man roster come Saturday. That's when we'll find out for sure. But it is leaning towards him making a return sooner rather than later. I do believe that we might actually see Miles Gaskin in this game and have a split between him and Ahmed heading into this week. And then we have, of course, Ahmed himself is practicing. And then David Johnson is looking like he's going to be able to come back and play this week as well. Uh, Romeo Cornell said he's, he's on track to be able to play, coming off of that concussion injury that sent him to the IR. Really a bad one there, but it looks like he will be back this week. Now, it's not a great match against the Indianapolis Colts. We talked about that yesterday, but we did still have him ranked inside the top 20 because he's going to get the full workload, and he'll have a high floor as a result to that. So that's where we're at with the injury updates from the games that we talked about yesterday. So now we can go ahead, we can jump right into these late window of games, and we have quite a bit of late window of games this this week uh, because we have, well, we have three Late games. We were going to have a triple header on Monday night. It looks like they decided because of 
revenue and uh, competitive edge, I guess you could say. Although the NFL hasn't really seemed to care about competitive edge too much this season with all the corona making teams play through corona uh, issues. It looks like we're going to have a doubleheader Monday and we're going to have the game on Tuesday. So between that and our usual slate of late afternoon games, we actually got a lot of games we got to talk about today. So let's kick it off with the Rams and the Arizona Cardinals in this one. You got the Los Angeles Rams coming in off of a tough loss against the San Francisco 49ers. I do believe that their offense is going to be able to move the ball a bit better. Uh, the Niners' defense being a little bit better at Arizona's defense, especially as of late with Arizona having a struggle in the pass rushing department because a lot of their guys are banged up and hurt. And as a result of that, if they're not unable to get a pass rush, that plays right into the Rams' hands. Because right now, if you're able to dominate the line of scrimmage against the Rams, you kind of saw this to some degree against the San Francisco 49ers, you can e- disrupt that entire offense. Because that entire offense is predicated on being able to zone block. It's being is predicated on being able to have pre-motion and getting guys in space and being able to create mismatches off of that. And it's created to attack the edges, attack the sidelines, attack the perimeter. That is what this team is built off of. If they cannot do that, if the line of scrimmage gets dominated by the opposing team, then that whole thing crumbles. That's what we saw last week. That's why the Rams' offense outside of really Robert Woods was putrid, essentially. The Arizona Cardinals do not have that ability to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage the way the San Francisco 49ers did. So, I do expect them to have a bounce back in some senses. Jared Goff is going to be QB 15 for us this week. Not that you're looking to stream Jared Goff, but if he's set up better this week, then that leads to guys like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup being better plays this week. And we have Woods and Cup ranked as wide receiver twos heading into the week. I do expect a bounce back week for Cup especially. We've seen the backside corner of the Arizona Cardinals. We've seen the slot receiver be able to have good games against the Arizona Cardinals so far this season. We expect Robert Woods to see Patrick Peterson for most of the game lining up on that side of the field. Although, like I said, they use a lot of pre-motion. They'll get their guys in mismatches and stuff like that throughout the week. But I think what you're going to see against the Arizona Cardinals is more three receiver sets. Where against the 49ers, they're trying to run a lot more two tight end sets. And I think it's what caught them caught off guard. And I think it's what, what wound up them being a, unable to get Cooper Cup available on the perimeter and get him going and get him targeted the way he needs to be. I do think you're going to see a little bit of an adjustment in that game. I don't think they have crazy ceilings as far as Robert Woods and Cooper Cup go. But they should have the basic floors that you would like your wide receiver twos to be able to have. I do believe you can play them with confidence. The Rams' backfield, look, <laughs> when it comes to the Rams' backfield... If you can help getting away from it, if you can stay away from that backfield any week, it's usually a good plan. We do have Darren Henderson ranked at RB28 on the week. The big reason for that is being that he's still the lead guy. I know Cam Akers had the big run last week, but Darren Henderson still started. He still got the majority of snap count. He still got the majority of the touches. And really, even for Cam Akers, it was one good run. That's it. Now, he has been playing a little bit more, and that's taken away from Darrell Henderson's ability to really be able to give you the production that you want. But if you have to pick one Rams running back, it would be Darrell Henderson at this point. However, none of them have a high ceiling because the three-man rotation continues to just take away from this team. We go to the Arizona Cardinals side of the ball. Kyler Murray, look, he's dealing with that shoulder issue, and I, I totally understand. That, that's, that's why, you know, you want to back off, of, or not back off of him, but that's why his ceiling is not going to be 
QB1, which is pretty much what it had been all season long. It's pretty much what you've been hoping for. And we have a QB7 on the week against the Rams. Rams have been a very good defense as of late. They've been playing really well. Aaron Donald's been very disruptive in the middle. Their secondary has been able to get going on a, at a high clip here. We would f- expect Kyler Murray to not finish in the top five again this week. Until that shoulder is 100% healed, the deep throw is just not there. That's pretty much what it boils down to. The deep throw is not there. And as a result of that, guys like DeAndre Hopkins aren't as involved as they could be. And teams are able to squeeze this offense now as a result of that. The good news is that if you're a Kenyon Drake owner, they're leaning on Kenyon Drake more as a result of that. We have an RB23. He's been a little bit more involved in the passing game because Kyler Murray has to check the ball down a little bit more due to that shoulder injury. Now, DeAndre Hopkins, we have him at wide receiver 16. I do not have him inside the top 10 this week. Period. I just don't. Against the Rams, he'll be matched up on Jalen Ramsey, giving Kyler Murray's shoulder. He doesn't have that same wide receiver one ceiling and hasn't played like it and hasn't gotten that production line for the past few weeks now. You're still going to play him, obviously, but you have to make sure you're limiting your expectations when you look at your roster construction heading into this all-important week 13. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back on the other side with more late window games for you right after these messages. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we are back. You are listening to MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mader. We're talking about the late window of games. Went over some injury updates from the week, the games, the matchups that we talked about in yesterday's show, which you can always go check out on your favorite streaming app or on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we're moving right along here. We got the Giants and the Seahawks up next, and we have some more late window games. And we have a mailbag segment for you guys at the end of the show today, too. We're talking about the Giants and the Seattle Seahawks. First and foremost, of course, we've got to talk about Daniel Jones. The coaching staff seemingly is trying to hold out hope that somehow this guy is going to be able to play. I don't see it. After last week with the hamstring injury that he sustained, I don't see how this guy is going to be able to stand in the pocket. You already know you're going to take away one of his best attributes, which is his ability to be mobile throughout this. If you force Daniel Jones to purely be a pocket passer, I don't know that he would be really any better than Colt McCoy at this point, although the Giants seem hell-bent on giving him at least the opportunity for that to be the case. So we're going to see, probably going to see Daniel Jones wind up being a game-time decision. Now, not that he matters in him of himself for fantasy football purposes, of course, but that does affect what can you expect out of the wide receivers. And before we get into like Colt McCoy and where we expect the targets to go for the wide receivers, we also have to talk about the fact that the Seattle defense has been much better as of late. Since Jamal Adams has been back, since they've been able to add Carlos Dunlap to that defensive line, this is not the same pathetic defense that we were seeing for most of the season up until this point. We have a situation on our hands now where they are not maybe the easy pickings that you thought they were going to be. Now, this is still not a bad matchup by any stretch of the means. We're not going as far as that. However, what I will say is that I don't know if a guy like Darius Slayton especially with a banged-up Daniel Jones and Colt McCoy coming at quarterback, has the same ceiling that he normally would have in a matchup like this had this been earlier on in the season. Sterling Shepard, I do believe, especially if Colt McCoy winds up being the starting quarterback, 
he'll get targeted a lot because we know Colt McCoy, he's going to want to check the ball down at every chance, every opportunity that he gets. So we're, we have Sterling Shepard ranked here at wide receiver 34 with a high floor in this game. I think he has a chance at 100 yards in this particular matchup against the Seattle Seahawks. I think we're going to be able to see that come to fruition. Wayne Gallman is the guy that I want to play most of all out of all the Giant players. Running back 15 for us. He has scored pretty much every single week that he's been the starting running back. It's really amazing how what he's been able to do uh, over the past about month now. <clears throat> and at RB15, he's a solid RB2. There's not too many guys that are more trustworthy. And because of his touchdown abilities, especially over the past few weeks now, have the same potential of a Wayne Gallman in this one. So we expect him to be actually be pretty good in this matchup against the Seattle Seahawks. I'm actually getting a report now about the Miami Dolphins. Salvin Ahmed and Matt Breida were not spotted at practice. So that's something we're going to have to keep our eye on. Ahmed did practice yesterday, as we talked about earlier on in the show, but that coming across our desk right now. Evan Ingram having a huge game Last week, it was good to see him finally have that target share, be able to get paid off for what we want to see with Evan Ingram. We come in, he's tight end 11 for us this week. Of course, the potential to be more. And after last week, I don't know how you, pretty much, I don't know how you don't start him really after last week, given that he's been tight end 11. He's been a top 10 tight end pretty much for the most part. So Evan Ingram, go ahead, fire him up. He should be good to go. And with Colt McCoy, we know that he'll check the ball down to the tight ends. He'll check the ball down to the running backs. We get into Seattle here on the flip side of that, and a lot of people are trying to ask themselves, kind of like the Kyler Murray situation, when can we hope to get that QB1 performance out of Russell Wilson again? I mean, and when I say QB1 for him, in instance, it means the overall QB1. I still have him ranked at QB2 overall. Uh, with the weapons that he has... Lockett, Metcalf, I know the Giants defense has been better as of late. However, you can still throw deep on this team. You can still take shots to the perimeter on this team. I do believe DK Metcalf is, I mean, after what he did to Darius Slay, I don't see how in your mind you could think that James Bradbury is really going to be good enough to take DK Metcalf away in this game. He's as sure as they come. He is a wide receiver one. And Tyler Lockett, even though... He's only had, what, one good performance now in six games at this point. You have to continue to play Tyler Lockett. You know he can have weeks where he can single-handedly win you a game. You know he has better games coming up for him. The Part of what's going on right now with the Seattle Seahawks offense is that you have a situation where they have an emphasis on wanting to get back to being more of a balanced attack offensively. What kind of happens as a result to that? is that you wind up having less pass attempts for Russell Wilson. You go back to asking yourself, when does Russell Wilson get the cook, so to speak? And the, question, the answer to that is, I don't know that he does. Because with their defense playing a little bit better now, and they're not having to score with teams in order to win quite as much, that's leading them to be able to run the ball a little bit more. And they have Chris Carson back healthy, and they have Carlos Hyde back healthy. When you add all of that up, you get a situation where Russell Wilson throwing the ball 30 times in a game becomes a bit of a question mark. And if it's going to be a bit of a question mark if he's going to have 30 pass attempts, that's going to take away at least from one of the wide receivers. And because as of 
of late, it's been all the DK Metcalf show. He's the guy who winds up being having the safer floor. However, what I will say is that with DK Metcalf, usually speaking, they will make an emphasis at some point if they've been favoring one wide receiver over the other for an elongated period of time, they will try to get that other wide receiver back and being involved again. So that is why, with that, we will. I, I believe that we will see Tyler Lockett bounce back. Whether it will be this week or not, I don't know. But that's all going to say that you have to play Lockett every single week because you know you're going to be able to get those types of performances. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Chris Carson, he plays. We have him as an RB1 this week. We expect him to get more of a snap count than he did a week ago. We don't expect Carlos Hyde to lead the way like it was. He, They were trying to get him worked back in, rightfully so. It's been a few weeks since he's been out there. You want to see how that foot re- responds. You don't want to get it re-injured. They need Chris Carson for the playoff run. We expect him to be back and full this week. We got to go a quick break because we're having some technical difficulties. Hopefully, we'll be able to get that worked out on the other side. So just stand by for us with one more quick break for you guys, and hopefully, we'll be good to go after that. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You are back listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we were having a little camera issues there for a second. Hopefully that's all worked out. The kinks are good there now. We should be good to go for the rest of the show. We were talking about the late window of games for Week 13. We just wrapped up talking about the Giants and the Seattle Seahawks. And now we get to slip into another NFC East matchup, or at least an NFC East team, I should say. The Philadelphia Eagles against the Green Bay Packers coming up on Sunday. Eagles got to find a way to bounce back. And from a fantasy standpoint, it's really hard to find anything on the Philadelphia Eagles that you can really trust in any any capacity, frankly. While Carson Wentz has played horrible, he actually still has somehow managed to keep himself in the streaming territory when it comes to fantasy production, mostly due to the fact that he's using his legs. But because he's been struggling so much in the passing game as of late with his decision-making, because that offensive line has been completely horrendous, you're left to wonder what else is valuable on this team. I mean, even going to Miles Sanders here, this is a great matchup for him against Green Bay. And if there's a game where he's going to get back on track, this should be that matchup. The problem is you can't really trust it right now because that offensive line is not creating any kind of a push whatsoever. And they're not utilizing Miles Sanders too much. I don't know what Doug Peterson is doing. Everybody wants to lay the feet at at Carson Wentz for a lot of the stuff going on. There's a lot of blame that needs to get sent Doug Peterson's way because the offensive play calling has just not been in sync. It's not setting up one play after another. It simply it, it feels as though he's trying to just throw darts at a dartboard and seeing what sticks when he's calling these plays out there. Just the influity of them, the bad timing of them. And Miles Sanders is the one who's probably hurting the worst from that. 
because of that offensive line, and he's not getting the rushing lanes, but he's also not getting worked in in the passing game, which absolutely makes no sense. One of his best attributes, one of the things that makes Miles Sanders a guy coming into the season that you expected to have a high floor, and we thought maybe if he could stay healthy, which he wasn't able to do this year, but if, maybe if he was able to stay healthy, why we thought he could maybe take that jump from being an RB2 to an RB1. And we base that largely off the idea that Miles Sanders would be catching the football, and he's not. They're not. They're not focusing on him in the passing game, which is a big mistake. I think it's a big reason why he's making things harder on Carson Wentz with a lot of the other wide receivers as well, because you have Miles Sanders, who should be an easy check down, an easy yard grab, and they're not doing it. Now against the Green Bay Packers, there's going to be lanes open that would not be open with most teams with this offensive line. So that's what gives us some hope that he will be able to get going in this game. I have Miles Sanders ranked as a high-end RB2. The Eagles have to do something offensively. To me, the easiest way of attack would be to start moving the offense through Miles Sanders and then everybody else. We'll see if that actually takes place. But against, against the Green Bay Packers, you have to play him, and you can play him with some confidence as well. After that, though, it's a crapshoot. Zach Ertz is going to be back. The wide receiver's haven't been good. Travis Fulgham, you can't play Travis Fulgham. I don't have any Philadelphia Eagle wide receiver ranked inside the top 36. None. None whatsoever. And now that you have Zach Ertz coming back into the fold here, I don't know that you can play Dallas Goddard. Now, I do believe for this week, you can still stream him. I have him at tight end 15. I do believe that for this week, it will be Goddard over Zach Ertz as far as playing time goes. I don't believe that they're going to rush Ertz back out there. I have to think he's going to be a little bit limited his first week back. I don't think he's just going to come in and be the starter, but it's the ticking time clock. He's going to take away from Dallas Goddard, and after this week, he very well might be the starter after that. So all of a sudden, if you thought you found something in Dallas Goddard and you thought maybe you wouldn't have to stream at the tight end position anymore as a result of that, I don't know that that's definitely going to be the case. You may still have to, unfortunately. So there's not a Philadelphia Eagle player that I feel great about rest of the season, but at least for this week, I do think you have a chance for Miles Sanders to be able to come through for you. On the Green Bay Packers side of things, I know the Eagles have a good defense on paper, but we just watched Aaron Rodgers throw for four touchdowns on the Indianapolis Colts. He comes in QB5 for me this week. Julio Jones. I'm not so Sorry. Julio Jones. Devontae Adams. That'd be crazy if they had Julio Jones, Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is a wide receiver, too, for us on the week. Aaron Jones, top 12 uh, running back. Now, that's where the interesting development has really been for these guys here, is that Jamal Williams has been very involved. And last week, they were actually 50 for 50 as far as the carries, as far as the snaps are concerned. They have seemingly handled Aaron Jones with kid gloves for the most part since he came back off of that calf injury. Now, he physically, and I talked about this in the recap show, physically, he looks fine to me. Physically, he looks like Aaron Jones to me. So I think it's only a matter of time before it goes back to that 60-40 split that we normally see between these two. However... It is taking away from Aaron Jones' stealing to some degree right now. And this is not a great matchup either. It's, it's hard to run on the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, because he's Aaron Jones, he's always a must-play. But you have to limit your ceiling expectations where he may be more of a high-end RB2 again this week. 
I do think it won't be long, though, another week or two. We're soft to see Aaron Jones get worked a little bit more ahead and get back to that RB1 status, which is what you really need him to do. Is there a second wide receiver that I want to play for the Green Bay Packers against the Philadelphia Eagles this week? No, not really. I know Alan Lazard scored last week, but he still looks like he's working back into game shape. Outside of Devontae Adams, I don't know if there's another pass catcher on the Green Bay Packers that I really want to trust. That includes Robert Tanyan, who had a really good game last week, but really his first really good game since Devontae Adams has been in the lineup. You can make the argument there's not much of a difference between him and streaming a lot of the other tight ends, and I wouldn't be able to argue against you in that standpoint. But what I will say is... I think there's other tight ends that you can go to who have carved themselves out enough of a target floor and have more of a floor that you can kind of sink your teeth into, where Robert Tanyan is very much uh, big play dependent now in this offense. So let's move into our next matchup. Let's talk about the Patriots. Let's talk about the Chargers. Let's talk about Cam Newton. What can we do with Cam Newton? That's the big question on everybody's mind. What can we do with Cam Newton? Because it's not matchup dependent. And that's the problem. Cam's a guy who's been a hovering around that top 12 quarterback play. So you want to keep him on your team. And most weeks you've been wanting to play him. But when he has those dud games, that's how you lose. When your quarterback doesn't get you double-digit points, that's how you lose. Avoiding that becomes the key. So if you've been streaming quarterbacks and you've been playing off of Cam this entire year, you'll know this. It's not a matchup-dependent issue with Cam Newton. He's had good games against tough defenses. He's had good games against bad defenses. But he's also had horrendous games like the one last week against the Arizona Cardinals where we expected him to be a top-12 quarterback. It's game script-dependent. The problem is, with game script... You're not going to really know what the game script is until you're into the game. That's the issue. So when you have it as game script dependent as it is with Cam here, you can't trust them on a week-to-week basis. You have the Chargers, who, with Joey Bosa back in the lineup, have been able to get a really good pass rush. With Chris Harris back in the lineup, they could take away the slot wide receiver. So I don't have Jacoby Myers ranked in the top 36 this week either. So if you play Cam Newton, you're hoping for him to fall into the end zone. But then you get to that point. We watched James White get two rushing touchdowns within the goal line last week. James White, of all people. But they've been doing that lately. When Rex Burkhead, before he went down, they were starting to give him some carries. All of a sudden now, when you're depending upon Cam Newton to be the goal line vulture, they're not running that power formation as much. Part of it is because teams are starting to try to adjust for that and be ready for it and find ways to get creative about it. And the Patriots are playing off of that as a result and be more traditional with their running backs. I think you have to play Cam in certain situations where you know they're playing a defense that they'll be able to go to the slot receiver on to help move the chains. And you know they're going to have to score points. Now, they may have to score points in this game because I I don't see why with the Patriots defense in the state that it is, why Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler and Hunter Henry, and we'll talk about all of them and their fantasy value in a second, why all those guys aren't going to be able to put up points on the New England Patriots. 
But because that defense is getting back and being healthy, I don't like this matchup for Cam. I don't like this matchup for any of the Patriot players, quite frankly. The only guys I want to think about playing would be Harris and James White. That's it. But even in Harris's situation, you have to worry about Sony Michelle. And while he didn't really play last week, you know it's probably coming. He's been active. I don't see a scenario, especially given the New England Patriots history, where they're going to go the entire season without getting Sony Michelle mixed in, especially now that Rex Burkhead's gone. I don't see that scenario. It would be nice if they just stuck with Harris and James White. But Sony Michelle is going to be a threat to possibly be involved almost every single week. And as a result of that, you can only expect so much out of Damian Harris's ceiling. I do have him as an RB3 this week. I still expect him to continue getting the bulk of the work. And we've seen the running backs be a little bit more involved when it comes to the goal line situation. James White's a hard one. I have James White as an RB3 as well. But James White is a hard one because what you really want to pin your hopes on is a James White floor where he's getting thrown the ball all the time. But the Patriots aren't throwing the ball all the time. And his value came off of his two rushing touchdowns inside the goal line last week. That's the problem. And to be honest, Cam Newton hasn't thrown the ball to the running back that much at any point this season. So they are RB3s, but I would hope that you have better options this week for a better ceiling play. Now let's talk about the Charger side of the ball, where you can pretty much just, there's not much to talk about actually, because you can fire up everybody. Herbert should be a top five quarterback. Eckler is an RB1. Came back off of his first week, his first game back in a long time on what was a one of the worst hamstring injuries I think I've ever seen. And had 25 touches, 16 targets. They didn't hold back. They wanted to, but they didn't hold back. It's a great matchup for him here. He should be able to run wide open in the receiving game pretty much all week long if he wants to. So Austin Eckler's an RB1. Keenan Allen, top five wide receiver. We know the targets for him. I don't care that Stephon Gilmore is back for the New England Patriots and might be shadowing Keenan Allen. It hasn't mattered. It hasn't mattered this season. This is not the same Stephon Gilmore. This is not the same Patriots defense. And then Hunter Henry. Tight end 13, high end tight end 2. He's one of those guys that we talked about you know, when you're comparing tight ends and having a floor, he's carved out a, he's carved out a floor for himself. He has a set amount of targets heading his way. And it gives you something to be able to sink your teeth into. And as of late, he's been targeted more in the red zone. He's finally cracked the seal on that and has gotten a couple touchdowns now so far. So Hunter Henry becomes a nice little play here against New England Patriots, who might do everything in their power to try to take away Keenan Allen. Well, we might see Hunter Henry be the benefactor after that. Mike Williams continues to be the odd man out. Mike Williams is just not getting enough targets. He's just not. Plain and simple. Him getting five targets in a game has become a chore for this team, especially now that Austin Eckler is back in the lineup. 
if you're going to have Eckler be getting double-digit targets and you're going to have Keenan Allen getting double-digit targets and you're going to have Hunter Henry getting five to seven targets, there's nothing really left over for Mike Williams. And when they have Austin Eckler, they build this offense around being able to just check the ball down and dink and dunk their way down the field and feature their guys. There's not enough targets there for Mike Williams. I don't even think he should be owning your team. He doesn't have the big play ceiling. They don't take enough shots throughout the game. So all you're hoping for, even if you do play him, is a one-hit wonder. I don't think that one-hit wonder is there. Does Herbert have the ability? Sure, but the offense isn't built around doing that right now. So let's move into our next matchup. Let's talk about the Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. It looks like, here's the good news, I guess, for Philip Lindsay. It looks like Philip Lindsay's going to be able to play. Thought it was real questionable with the knee that he came out and said it was mild. Did not practice, I believe, on Wednesday, but has been able to practice throughout the week. And Vic Vangio came out today again and said that they fully expect Mile, uh, Philip Lindsay to be able to go. Kind of tough for Melvin Gordon owners because you like the matchup against Kansas City. You're hoping maybe Philip Lindsay wouldn't be able to play. So you can actually get that full workload like you're getting early on in the season. But it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. I still have Melvin Gordon as a running back too, though. Still have him as a running back too. He still is going to get a lot of the passing work. Playing against Kansas City Chiefs, you're going to give up points. The Chiefs are going to be able to do pretty much what they want to do. The way you move the ball against the Denver Broncos is by throwing the football, and nobody can stop the Chiefs from throwing the football right now anyway. Nobody. So Gordon will be involved as a result of that. And that's why we still have him as an RB, too. He'll have a high floor, and he'll have an opportunity to be able to score a touchdown. He just maybe doesn't have the high-end RB2 ceiling, possibly even low-end RB1 ceiling, that you're hoping he would if he would actually got the full workload. But that's not going to be the case. Noah Fant, tight end 12. It's been brutal. He hasn't been 100%. But Drew Locke is back. They will have competent quarterback play. And Noah Fant, when you look at you know what these guys do and how their matchups were break down against this Kansas City Chief defense, he's the guy with the best mismatch of all the pass catchers. They're good against the perimeter wide receivers. That's why Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy, not inside my top 36. Now, Patrick's close. I got him at wide receiver 37. And while there might be a decent amount of volume headed their way, I don't think you really have that ceiling or that floor, I should say, that you would want out of guys that you're already playing as wide receiver three to flex plays. I think you should have a lot of better options this particular week. Let's go to the Kansas City Chiefs side of things. We don't have to spend much time on this. Start your studs. Sammy Watkins, I still consider him a wide receiver three. Even last week, when Tyreek Hill went bananas, he still had seven targets. Give me seven to nine targets, which is what Sammy Watkins is looking at in this offense. With Patrick Mahomes, with the Kansas City Chiefs, I will take what that can lead to. I will take that floor. The real question is, can you play Clyde Edwards-Alaire? I have him as an RB1 this week. The one thing I've noticed since they've come out of the bye, Andy Reid, that is even though they didn't do too much last week, but they considered the matchup against Tampa Bay. You can't really do much on the ground against Tampa Bay. The one thing I have noticed, though, is that there is 
an idea in his head that he realizes that he has to be able to use the running backs. He has to get back to be getting them involved into the game plan, where for a while there, they weren't even involved. They weren't using them at all. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Listen, if you're always running to the bathroom and sometimes just can't make it, we need to talk. You're not alone. I was just like you until I spoke to an expert physician about axonics therapy. It changed everything. It didn't just give me bladder control. It gave me my life back. Axonics therapy is not another drug. It's just a tiny device you barely have to think about. And it can give you real lasting relief. You can even try it out first to make sure it works for you. Just take the first step. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. It's time to get your life back. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonix therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. The Denver Broncos are while they're tough against the running backs, they are not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're not. Clyde Edwards Alaire is completely the guy. I think that much has been established. Because that's the other thing I was worried about too, is that they were getting a 50-50 split, it seemed like, between him and Le'Veon Bell. That's not the case. Alaire is working well ahead of him. Bell is just there to spell him at this point. I do think he has a good game here against the Denver Broncos. I think he's got a good chance to score. I think he's going to get at least 15 touches. And because the Broncos have their own struggles offensively, I think it's going to be tough for them to be able to score with them, score with the Chiefs. They don't have the Raider mindset that they seem to have when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs and being able to attack them down the field and actually being able to find ways to score them throughout the game. I don't think the Denver Broncos are going to be able to do that. It should lead to a game script where Clyde Edwards-Alaire is able to get going in the second half of this game. So I still have him as a guy that you must play in your lineups this week against the Denver Broncos. Outside of that, everything else speaks for itself with the Kansas City Chiefs. So what we're going to do is going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. We have two Monday night games to talk about and a Tuesday game and of course a mailbag segment for you guys at the end of the show so everybody stay tuned with us right after this it's the worldwide sports radio network you're listening to the MD's fantasy football show on the worldwide sports radio network and welcome back in, MD Nation. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We've been going over the late window games for Week 13, talking about some injury updates, our fantasy expectations. We're moving on now into the Monday night games. So we've got a doubleheader here. We're going to have an early game for you guys, Pittsburgh Steelers and Washington football team. Let's start with the Washington football team. 
Terry McLaurin, not only has he been a must-play and will continue to be a must-play even in this matchup here against Pittsburgh Steelers, I still am as a wide receiver one heading into this game. Perimeter wide receivers have been able to have success against Pittsburgh Steelers here. First and foremost, most of the teams playing them, especially these subpar teams like the Washington team, has to continue throwing the ball throughout the entire game. It has to come back from behind. So there's always that garbage time factor to it. But you can attack Pittsburgh on the perimeter. And McLaurin, who's had even tougher matchups than this one against actual good corners this season, has really found a way to perform every single week. So that's why I got my wide receiver eight for the week coming into this matchup. He's been great. And with Alex Smith, who's been able to hit him in stride a little bit more while the traditional deep ball isn't there like you would normally think of with Terry McLaurin when it comes to his big play capability, because Alex Smith can actually hit him in stride, this guy has a chance to break one anytime he's out there with one of the highest floors that we've seen out of anybody. So even in this matchup against the Steelers, I'm not going to be worried about playing Terry McLaurin. I think the guy you got to ask yourself is, where do you expect is that, that's Antonio Gibson. Now, I saw him as an RB2. The guy's played lights out. I find it far hard-pressed to be able to keep this guy out of your lineup with the way he's been playing as of late. They're giving him the ball. They're giving him more carries. He's getting goal line work. You'd like to see him be a little bit more involved in the passing game, and that's where I'm a little bit concerned about him in this matchup. Once the Steelers get up and Alex Smith is under pressure, he's going to feel the need to check the ball down more and more. What we've seen in those type of game scripts is that J.D. McKissick winds up kind of being the guy. And that's where Antonio Gibson's ceiling gets cut off a little bit. And this is a game script where I feel like it could be more J.D. McKissick. Now, because McKissick hasn't been as involved, I don't have him in my side of my top 36 from the past couple of weeks. But I do think you have to play Gibson at the end of the day because the goal line work has been there. And without Bud Dupree, it does take away some of the Steelers' pass rush. It takes away maybe the need that was previously there for Alex Smith to have to check the ball down every single time and have to involve J.D. McKissick the way that he normally would be in that situation. So I think you have to play Gibson, but just adjust what your ceiling is going to be in this game. I don't think he has a huge game in this one. But he still should be considered an RB2. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Got a little dry mouth here. Let's talk about the Steelers. The one cool thing, I was going to say cool thing, but if you're a fantasy owner of their wide receivers or Big Ben, it has been pretty cool for you. No matter what the situation is, no matter what team they've been playing, they have fallen so far in love with having these three great receivers, and it's hard to blame them, but they are going shotgun, five wide, throwing the ball constantly all the time. Steelers haven't had a running game in about six weeks. And it's not just because their offensive line isn't getting the normal push that they usually would. It's not just because James Conner has been inefficient 
or Benny Snell last week. It has more to do with the philosophy, the schematics that the Steelers are going off of, which is they are much more comfortable right now at this point. I think part of it is because Big Ben's a little bit banged up of just staying in shotgun and having Ben Robsburg get the ball out of his hands quickly and having these wide receivers just try to make plays one-on-one and try to make a guy miss for big opportunities. And because they have this talent at the wide receiver core, it's a strategy that's helping them win. Which is why I don't see it stopping. This team's undefeated. Why would you change up what you do when you're undefeated? It's terrible for James Conner owners, and we'll get into uh, the health aspect with him in a second. But I'm worried about James Conner the rest of the season. I don't know if he's going to be anything more than a low-end RB2, dare I say, a high-end RB3 the rest of the way. If the Steelers are going to refuse to line up under center again, they're going to run 90% of their offense out of shotgun with that offensive line, that doesn't set up Connor for success. It doesn't set up any of the Steelers' running backs for success. It doesn't set up the running game, period, for success. These are guys that need you to be under center, attacking downhill, having an extra tight end or an extra fullback pave the way for them to be able to get going and into a rhythm. And Connor's also a guy that needs, I believe, 18 carries throughout the entire game to get into that rhythm. But that's not the way they're playing. Because they're playing as more of a spread offense now, he's looking at 13 to 15 carries out of shotgun. He's not going to be able to get in the rhythm in that situation. So I worry about having to lean on James Conner through your playoff races. Now, as far as this week is concerned, he has a different worry. We don't know if he's going to clear the COVID-19 protocols by, by Monday. Because remember, with James Conner's situation, he did test positive. Now, technically speaking, because he tested positive, I believe it was on Saturday of last week, that if he's tested negative since then, twice since then, and hasn't shown symptoms, he would be eligible to be activated on Saturday. I'm not getting the vibe that's going to happen. And even if, it, if he does get activated from a health standpoint, because he did not practice at all this week, given the crazy nature of the Steelers right now, given that you probably don't need James Conner to beat Washington, I think there's a better chance that we're going to see Benny Snell be the starting running back again this week. Now, the one nice thing about Benny Snell is that if he winds up taking over, we do know that we don't have to worry about somebody else coming in to steal goal line carries like we do with James Conner. So if they get inside the red zone, they do run the football, we do know that Benny Snell has a decent chance of being able to fall into the end zone for that one. So right now, we have Connor ranked as if he'll play, but we'll update that on BillyUpFantasySports.com throughout the weekend. If he plays, we have him as an RB2. You like the match against Washington. You like the ability of the Steelers to be able to score. The same will go for Benny Snell. If James Connor's out and this winds up being Benny Snell's job, which I think is going to be more likely than not at this point, just given the situation of everything, then I think Benny Snell will be a nice RB2 for you too who has maybe even a better chance to score than a James Conner would because with Conner, you have to worry about is Snell going to come in at the one-yard line and vulture him. Now, we know Snell's not going to be involved in the passing game, but all you need him to do is get about 15 carries and fall one in, and you get an RB2 out of your hands. So he is somebody who I'm going to be willing to play this week. But the ceiling just 
the ceiling's just not there for the running of the Steelers running backs because they're just throwing it to the wide receivers involving them way too much. Now let's talk about the wide receivers themselves. My rankings on these three have pretty much stayed the same in the sense of all three of them are wide receiver twos. And Deontay Johnson will be the guy that I rank higher than the other two each week. Because Deontay Johnson, more times than not, is the number one receiver for this team, is the guy who gets targeted the most on this team. Long as that continues to be the case, he'll be the guy that I have ranked the highest out of the three of them. Claypool, of course, is the one who has the bigger chance at the bigger ceiling because he has the big play capability. He's more of a touchdown threat. But you're starting all three of these receivers every single week as wide receiver twos with confidence. Again, that goes back to because they're spreading the ball out because they don't want Ben Roethlisberger under center because I believe he's probably a little bit banged up at the moment. They want to make things easy on him getting the ball quickly out of his hands. Well, that leads to these wide receivers getting plenty of work and continuing to be able to do so. That's why I didn't didn't mention this, actually. That's why I have Big Ben as a top-10 quarterback this week. Very much a streaming option. Washington, while on paper... They're supposed to be a tough matchup. When they actually have had to play competent offenses, when teams have actually had the ability to attack them down the field, and we saw it on Thanksgiving with Dallas, they're not actually that good. It's when they play these lesser teams who don't necessarily have the perimeter firepower to go down the field that they rack up their stats on because they do have a good front seven with a good pass rush. When you're going up against a team that can spread you out the way the Steelers can, and attack you from any of the receiver positions the way the Steelers can. They don't match up there. So I'm not worried about this at all as far as Washington's defense is concerned. That's why you can fire up Big Ben and all the receivers with confidence, and whoever the starting running back winds up being has a decent chance to be able to score. Eric Ebron, top 10 tight end. He's another guy, kind of like a Hunter Henry mold, a Hayden Hurst mold. He has a floor. Even with all these receivers getting work, Eric Ebron's still been seeing five to seven targets almost every single week. He has a floor. You can play Eric Ebron. And I don't think, honestly, if you picked up Ebron, I think you can just play him all season long. I don't think you have to feel the need to stream to the tight end position anymore. He's doing enough for you. It's not not top five. It's not top three. And and unless he scores, it won't be. But he's doing enough for you on a week-to-week basis that I think you can fire him up with confidence. So let's move on to what the real Monday night game was supposed to be. It was the only Monday night game was supposed to be. Talking about the Buffalo Bills and the San Francisco 49ers. Talking about the Bills side of the ball first. So going on the road to Arizona to play the San Francisco 49ers because they can't play in Santa Clara at the moment. Josh Allen has kind of fallen into this, you know, Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray narrative where these guys who were giving you QB one of the week performances more times than not, have just kind of cooled off as of late. Allen looks mortal when throwing the football again. Allen, I mean, frankly, Josh Allen looks like Josh Allen throwing the football again. He's not having the same success that he was earlier on in the year. Fundamentally, his, his fundamentals are breaking down, becoming inconsistent again, and that, that's a big reason why. That's a big reason why. But he always runs. He always has a chance to score. He's always going to have a high floor. And I have this QB9 on the week. 49ers defense is real. The 49ers defense, with Richard Sherman back, they don't have Nick Bosa, 
But I think they showed you last week against the Rams that with for Sherman back there, this defense is still a top 10 defense and a legitimate top 10 defense at that. That can cover anybody that you throw at them. And they can play behind the line of scrimmage still, even without Nick Bosa on the defensive line. They've still been able to get after the quarterback. They've been able to generate pressure. They've been able to get penetration. All that goes to say, I don't think you should be playing Singletary or Zach Moss this week. I have Singletary as a low-end RB3, Zach Moss, outside of my top 36. And the reason I have Singletary ahead of Zach Moss is because he's seemingly more involved in the passing game. And that's the only place where I think the running back is going to have any success this week against San Francisco 49ers if they get the, pa- if they get the passing down work. It seems to be going to Devin Singletary as far as those opportunities are concerned as of late. So that's why I have him a little bit higher. But really, you should really be trying to avoid the Buffalo Bills running backfield unless one of them gets hurt, unless one of them takes over pretty much the entire season if you can all help it. And that's really what you should be doing. Especially in this matchup against the 49ers. It's not going to be great. Stephon Diggs, you still got to play him. He still has a high floor because he's still getting targeted at an incredible rate every single week. We have met wide receiver 17. Obviously, I'm not going to be expecting the high ceiling that I normally would out of the Stephon Diggs. And frankly, he hasn't really been that big play wide receiver this entire season as it is because he's turned into this Keenan Allen type, this target monster over the intermediate and short part of the field. But we do have him at wide receiver 17. Outside of that, though, I don't have a Bills wide receiver inside the top 36. With Richard Sherman back, everybody on the secondary of the 49ers kind of falls back into place. Witherspoon is a decent corner, too. And then Mosley is able to go back and be a good slot corner. They're able to cover you at all three positions. So I don't think Cole Beasley is going to have a good game in this one. Even though there's going to be no John Brown, we've seen Gabriel Davis have some success without John Brown in the past. This isn't going to be a good matchup for him either. Ultimately, why I have Josh Allen at QB9 as a result of that, because I don't think he's going to have a very good game passing. I think there's a decent chance here he goes for less than 200 yards passing. You're going to be hoping to get your production from him on the ground. But you play Allen, you play Diggs. I pretty much avoid everybody else if I can. On the 49er side of things, Raheem Mostert, I like it. You've been able to run the Buffalo Bills this year. This is not the Buffalo Bills defense of old where you haven't been able to put up points against. You can play these guys and expect have high expectations. I have Raheem Mostert as a top 10 running back this week. I expect him to play a little bit more this week than he did last week. He was able to get the touchdown then. I thought physically he looked pretty good to me. We're going to see him, I believe, get more involved, start to be more of the lead guy. And with the way the Bills defense has been playing as of late, I don't see why they're not going to be able to get some sweeps, some edge-rushing plays that the 49ers like to do with Raheem Moster against this Bills team with the way they played this season. I don't see why that won't be in the cards. We know that Raheem Moster, when he gets out on the edge, he gets out on the perimeter, he's his, he's more explosive than maybe anybody. Maybe anybody. So Raheem Moster, I, I think he's a guy who's going to come into this game, has a really good shot at a big play. Real good shot to get into the end zone again. That's why I have him as RB10. Talk about the wide receivers. So Debo Samuel, he didn't practice yesterday, but 
Kyle Shanahan said that he it wasn't a hamstring issue. He didn't practice because he had an illness, but it was a non-COVID illness. You know, illness, whatever. It was a non-COVID illness, basically. So he doesn't have to worry about the COVID corona issues. We expect Debo Samuel to be able to play. Brandon Ayuk is also going to be back this week. He got activated off the COVID reserve list. He's expected to be there as well. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. A lot of people out there want to seem like they want to just crown Debo Samuel this up-and-coming superstar. And I feel like I'm the only one telling you guys, cool your jets. When Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are both out there on the field, they do very, very similar things. As a result, really not one gets featured more over the other. They kind of just take turns. And what I mean by that is the jet sweeps, the motions, the attacking on the outs, being able to block, attacking the middle. They run very similar patterns. While Ayuk, I believe, was brought in to be more of the big play threat guy, because their skill sets are so similar, you wind up in a situation where Debo's not going to get targeted double-digit times like he was last week, which is what led to his big game. He's not going to get featured the same way. So he doesn't have that ceiling. Does he have a a decent floor? Yeah. I have him as a low-end wide receiver 2, high-end wide receiver 3 this week because he has a decent floor in this match against the Buffalo Bills. But that's it. And I think that might be his ceiling, quite frankly, if you go into it, because you're only looking at about seven to nine targets. And while that on its surface is what you're kind of looking for out of a solid floor wide receiver, when you add in the fact that your quarterback is Nick Mullins, takes away some of that ceiling, what you're able to do on that seven to nine targets. So these two are going to cut into each other to some degree. Now I do have Brandon Ayuk as a low end wide receiver three this week. More want to see how he's doing from a health standpoint. If he's still good to go, if he's going to have any lingering effects whatsoever. But you could play both of these guys as floor plays. I'm not expecting a pop. I'm not expecting a ceiling game out of either one of them, though. So let's move into the Tuesday game, the last game that we have for Week 13. 
We'll start off with Dallas. Zach Martin, unfortunately, he got hurt last week. He's not going to be able to play this week. When Zach Martin doesn't play, that offensive line becomes very, very below average. When that offensive line is very, very below average, Ezekiel Elliott is very below average. And that's just kind of how it's gone so far this season. It's really been unfortunate. I still have Ezekiel Elliott ranked at 21. That has more to do with the idea that we may still not see Brandon Williams. We may still not see Clayus Campbell in this game. If that remains true, then the Ravens are a team that are more susceptible to the run than they normally speaking would be any other time. So that's where Zeke has some hope. Otherwise, I would probably have Zeke as an RB3. I have him ranked at 21. He's already on a low-end RB2 scale for me. It's it's crazy to think about that you're ranking a healthy Ezekiel Elliott as a low-end RB2, high-end RB3, but without Zach Martin, the status of that offensive line, with Andy Dalton at quarterback, with the way they've called plays so far this season, Unless Ezekiel Elliott starts to get, you know, seven targets in his own right, he doesn't have a floor. He's very much turning into Todd Gurley where you're like, I hope you fall into the end zone because as far as your rushing totals go, as far as your receiving totals go, I don't really know what I'm going to get and I don't have high expectations that you're going to break the century mark any given week. He's only done it once so far this season. And if Zach Martin's going to miss the rest of the year, Unfortunately, I think this is going to be a problem for Ezekiel Elliott all throughout the fantasy playoffs. And honestly, I have to add this part to it, too. If you've been able to make the fantasy playoffs with Ezekiel Elliott in your lineup, my hat is off to you because that was not easy to do. With the way he's played, that he was a top first-round pick, he's really hindered those teams that took him. So if you're able to be in the playoffs right now with Ezekiel Elliott, first of all, my hat's off to you. Second of all, (laughs) I might look for other options. Zeke might be more of a high floor flex play depending upon the matchup for me moving forward than a guy who has to be a staple of my lineup. And I know some people were already talked about moving on, but my hope was that when Zach Martin came back, my hope is that he's going to stay healthy. I was one of the people saying that Zeke Elliott had a really good chance to be able to back, bounce back for your fantasy playoffs and maybe trade for him. But now that Zach Martin went down again, that ship sailed. It also affects Andy Dalton and this passing attack. What kind of time did he have? I know that they were able to get some things done last week against Washington with Amari Cooper having a big game. But again, for the most part, when that offensive line has been bad, Andy Dalton, whoever the quarterback has been, has not had time to be able to throw the football down the field. And it takes away from everybody. Cooper still has the high floor because he still gets targeted in the short, intermediate range. And when they have to get the ball out of his hands quickly, that's where they're going to. So he has a high floor. I have him ranked at wide receiver 26 this week. He's a he's a flex play against Baltimore. But those, those games like he had a week ago where he had a 50-yard touchdown, over 100 yards and six catches, those games really haven't been in the cards for Cooper since Dak Prescott went down, since his offensive line got banged up. And against this Baltimore team, which should be able to put a lot of a pass rush on Andy Dalton this week, well... I don't see how they get the ball down the field very often. CeeDee Lamb is not a guy you can play this week at all. At all. So Amari Cooper, Zico, Elliott, they can still be in your lineups, but you have to have a low ceiling expectation for these guys when you're putting together your, your rosters this week. And unfortunately, 
are going to be very matchup dependent, I believe, moving forward, is that uh, too? Because that offensive line is just not going to give them time to be able to get the offense going anymore. Now let's get on the other side and talk about the Ravens. There's, there's a lot we got to talk about with the Baltimore Ravens here. Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram. We don't know if these guys are going to be playing this week. Now, Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins are eligible to come back. They've been, they were actually technically eligible to come back in that Steelers game, but they still haven't been practicing. Didn't practice yesterday. Doesn't sound like they're going to practice today. Harbaugh came out and talked about that it was going to be a medical decision whether or not Dobbins gets cleared. Not, I mean, not just Dobbins, but Lamar and all them. And frankly, it didn't sound all that promising. Now, we are leaning towards the information that we're getting. We're leaning towards Lamar Jackson. If he tests negative twice, that they'll fire him up. And that's understandably so. You don't want to go out there with Chase McSorley, which is what they have to do because we don't know the extent of RG3's injury. He got a little bit banged up in that game. So it might be, you might be looking at Trace McSorley as a starting quarterback, a team that's been fluttering as of late in the Baltimore Ravens who needs to get back into the playoff race, can't take any chances even against the Dallas Cowboy team. Uh, if Lamar Jackson can go, he'll play. However, I will say this, if Do- it's not the same for Dobbins and Ingram, though. Because you can just play Gus Edwards. I think they're going to make sure, especially in Dobbins' case, because he is their future, he is their guy. I think they want to lean on him for a playoff run coming up. They're going to make sure he's good to go. And one of the big things that Harbaugh talked about was they want to know where they're going to be the lasting effects for their young player, being that he tested positive for COVID when we get into these games. And they're seemingly being more cautious when it comes to Dobbins and Ingram right now than they are with Lamar Jackson. So there's a real chance here, while we have Dobbins ranked inside the top 20 for now, if he cannot go, Gus Edwards would become an RB2. And he fell into the end zone against Pittsburgh Steelers. But if you have Gus Edwards against Dallas with Lamar Jackson back in the lineup, I'm going to feel very confident about what he's going to be able to give you in the running game as a solid RB2 pick. Now, if it's not Lamar Jackson, and you're talking Gus Edwards, he becomes more of a high-end RB3 in that instance because he won't have the same rushing lanes that open to him. And Dallas's defense has played better as of late, too. They've been playing more competently in their own right. So... You kind of mix all those things in. Lamar Jackson does play, though. I definitely want to find a way to get Gus Edwards into my lineup, of course, assuming Dobbins doesn't play as well. Now, let's flip this on the other side. Let's say Dobbins does play, and let's say Lamar plays, and let's say Mark Ingram plays, because we want to talk about that, too. Everyone wants to know what's going to be the idea. Are we going to see what we saw a couple weeks ago when J.K. Dobbins really took over as the bell cow back, essentially, for this team? Is he going to be the lead guy, even with everybody healthy? Is this no longer a three-man rotation? That's the question everybody really wants answered. You want to know if you all of a sudden have a league winner on your hands and J.K. Dobbins the rest of the way, if he's going to be the bell cow back. Unfortunately, even if he's active in this game, because he's coming off of testing positive for COVID, I don't think that's going to be the case, at least not for this week. So I think either way, we're not really going to get the answer to that question, unfortunately. But that's something that we're going to keep our eyes on moving forward. That could be a real game-winning possibility. As far as passing attack goes, Mark Andrews, there is this expectation. Now, he's in the same boat as everybody else, too. But 
I don't believe there is this expectation that he is going to be eligible and will be back playing on Tuesday as well. Um, he was a little bit scary situation too because you're talking about a guy who was already kind of a, a preconditioned for Corona to begin with. He was he was one of the guys we talked about in the summertime. You know, because he had diabetes, is he somebody who we really have to worry about when if he ever tests positive? Sounds like he's doing okay. What's the good news there? And it sounds like he's going to play on Tuesday. And Mark Andrews plays. We have him at tight end four of his top five tight end. He's starting to get targeted again, and it's only a matter of time before he starts getting into the end zone more consistently again, especially if Lamar Jackson plays. But he's the one guy that even if it's Chase McSorley, I'm still going to feel pretty good about playing against the Dallas Cowboys with and what his involvement in this offense is going to be because they desperately need him out there. Marquise Brown. Real happy that I saw you finally get your 70-yard touchdown. Real happy that I finally saw you get your big play on the season. Unfortunately, I have no faith that it's going to happen more than once. Hasn't been targeted enough. Marquise Brown still cannot be in your lineups. Can't. Don't go off of last week. Be like, oh, maybe his big play capability, his home run, his home run threat is back now. Look at the context of that game. Against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Marquise Brown, really the only true starter who's actually out there. Backup quarterbacks, backup running backs, backup tight ends. He, if he didn't get the, no Willie Steed, if he didn't get the ball then, if he wasn't able to do a big play then, then you have to be like, whew. First of all, you wouldn't be able to roster him. I, I don't think you can. I don't think you really should be even bothering rostering him now. But you would have a real issue on your hands if Marquise Brown still didn't get the ball, even with nobody else pretty much available on the field. You'd really have to look at Greg Roman like, what the heck are you doing? So you take the context of that game that led him getting his big play, and it still happened at the end of the game in the third quarter. It was still the last score of that game. Still took all game long for him to finally get that big play. So Marquise Brown, he's not somebody you can play in this matchup. I don't think he's somebody who should even be on your rosters. I wouldn't even want the temptation, the idea of being able to play a Marquise Brown as a home run threat for me. Not at all. That actually wraps it up for our late window matchup previews. So now we got the mailbag segment for you guys. And we picked out three pretty good questions. First up, we got Bill. He asked me, do you have Debo Samuel or Deontay Johnson? I picked this question out to kind of illustrate my point that I made earlier about people getting a little too crazy about Debo Samuel. First of all, he's a little bit banged up again already. But again, with Brandon Ayuk, he does not have the ceiling that we saw last week. He's not going to get featured in the same way. Deontay Johnson is on an offense that is doing nothing but throwing the football. He's the number one target on that offense. He has a safe floor, a great ceiling, almost any given matchup. 100% Deontay Johnson over Debo Samuel every single time, Bill. It's not a question between those two. Not a question at all. Deontay Johnson's been great. I don't even know why you'd be bringing this up anyway, but it's not a question. Deontay Johnson, hands down. Alex, he asked me, Devontae Booker, Kenyon Drake, or Brandon Cooks? And he needs two out of the three players. So we'll do this from the assumption that Josh Jacobs isn't able to go and that Devontae, uh, Devontae Booker would be, in that case, the bell cow back. So we'll, we'll work from that perspective. In which case, I'm saying to you, he's got to be Booker and Kenyon Drake. Again, Kyler Murray with his shoulder injury. He's not looking to push the ball down the field the way that he normally does. 
because of that, Kenyon Drake's actually been involved in the passing game, and Chase Edmonds hasn't been on the field nearly as much since Drake come back from his injury, really. So with that added floor now to Drake's game, who's looked better as of late, the Cardinals have been going more two tight end sets, more power run, with Kyler Murray being a little bit more banged up, trying to take some of the load off of his shoulder, literally. Kenyon Drake's a must play. Devontae Booker as a bell cow back against the New York Jets will be a high-end RB2. So he is a must-play. I know with Brandon Cooks, I do like him the rest of the season. Now with Will Fuller, who's going to be suspended for the rest of the year, I do like what his target share is going to be. I like what his floor is going to, is going to be without Will Fuller back there. But against the Indianapolis Colts, it's not a great matchup. I question a little bit how good Houston's offense as a whole is going to, what they're going to be able to do in this game. But when you have these two bell cow backs with the matchups that they have this week, I mean, Drake's not being great against the Rams, but still with the workload that he's getting, you're feeling pretty good about it. It's Hands down, you go with the running back. You go with the running back when they're getting a bell cow workload, period. So I think the your real question is Devontae Booker or Brandon Cooks. Definitely Booker if Josh Jacobs does not play. Last question of the day. We got Dez. Noah Fant or Trey Burton? So this one's, to me, at least clear-cut and obvious as well. It's, it's definitely Noah Fant. However, I, t- I picked out this question to put on the mailbag segment because I do think this is a testament to the frustration of the Noah Fant fantasy owner. And I completely understand. This is a guy that should be a top eight tight end every single week, and he just hasn't been. A big reason for that, he hasn't been 100% healthy. Just hasn't. And you can kind of see it on the field. He's not his same explosive self. Again, though, in this match against Kansas City Chiefs, where the Broncos are going to have to find ways to put up points, he has the best mismatch of all the pass catchers. Drew Locke will go to him. He'll lean on him to be a safety blanket. And his target share has been okay. He's been, he's been getting back at least to the point where he's getting five to six targets every single game. You'll take that out of the tight end position. Trey Burton, I know they're playing Houston, but he's still rotating in with Mo Ali Cox and Jack Doyle and, and just you know the pretty much the epitome of the entire Colts offense as it is, which is one big rotation system, essentially, at, at almost every position. I'm not trusting a Colts player. Period. I mean, I don't. I'm playing Jonathan Taylor this week. We talked about that in yesterday's show, but I don't want to trust a Colts player if I can at all help it because who knows which Colts player is going to be at the running back? Who knows which Colts player is going to be at the wide receiver? And who knows which Colts player is going to be at the tight end position? Noah Fant's clearly ahead of Trey Burton, but I get the frustration, which is why I wanted to bring that question on here and kind of talk about it a little bit because I understand where you guys are coming from, but Noah Fant is still a top 12 tight end that you have to continue to throw out there. At some point, you just have to believe in the fact that if you're seeing a decent amount of targets and you know the talent is there, that's just what you have to stick with. So definitely, Des, I would go with Noah Fant here over Trey Burton. That wraps up the show. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. We'll be back on Monday with the full Sunday afternoon recap. And it'll be a playoff times. It will be playoff times. Look, week 13, regular season is about to be over. We're going to be talking about the playoffs 
next week. Very exciting stuff. Make sure you're checking out bellyupfantasysports.com for all of our rankings. They'll be updated for you guys all throughout the weekend. Of course, right before Sunday morning, so you have your fantasy expectations. Make sure you're following us on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow on Facebook and on Twitter if you need any help with your lineups. And on especially on Twitter, make sure those notification alerts are up because we'll keep you up to date with all the player news throughout the weekend. Hopefully, hopefully it's not like it was last Saturday when we had pretty much a red Saturday and everybody dropped down with the Corona news almost all at once, it felt like. But if it happens again, you're going to want to make sure you're following us because we'll keep you up to date with all of that and all the fantasy impacts that that will have as well. Make sure you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. There's a lot of great content on this channel to go ahead and check out. WWSRN on iOS presented to you by Belly Up Sports. A lot of great content for you guys. We'll see you real soon on Monday. I'm Dan Mater. Everybody, great. Good luck for you guys on your Week 13 matchups. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.